on episode 72 of Pixel Guide In. We discuss our histories with online gaming. Tim talks holiday gaming memories. There's a hedgehog on my C64. The BBC turns 40. Nintendo and Pokemon get a little weird. Six good anthropomorphic games. Cody gets to bring up Cuphead again. We talk about hopeful acquisitions for the new year. And also retro Christmas decorations. Another visitor. Stay a while. Stay forever. Welcome to And Cody Hoffman! Eric, it is time to deck the halls with bows of retro gaming. Exactly. It is raining sideways outside right now. That's true. It is, um, it's quite stormy here. Yeah, the weather is really bad, but, it, you know, it's getting that time of year. It's, uh... We're ready. I'm, are you all ready for Christmas? Never. Never. <laughs> yeah. Never ready for Christmas. But I am ready for some retro gaming. Yeah. I am ready to talk about some games. I've been looking <laughs> forward to this show. I, I, this, this month, I've, uh, as we always say, like we have very little time. But this one, I think because of the holidays and because of other stuff, like I have not been doing my duty by having retro projects and retro things to do so what what does this show pay you for eric exactly exactly (laughs) but i'm hoping to come in swinging when the new year but i I do have quite a few things to talk about this this month and i think we have a good show we i think we picked a lot of interesting stuff for the battle i think we picked a lot of interesting stuff for six good games so i'm looking forward to talking about those well uh, let everyone know what we're going to be talking about on those things this um this month yeah so we are Let's see. I mean, how do I explain this? This one, the battle's hard. <laughs> Tim picked the battle, but it is going to be, for people that don't know, I'm going to explain this a little. It's two games that are written using non-standard graphics. It's going to be one, like the Commodore 64 game is called, how do you pronounce that? Digioli? Yeah, I always want to say Digioli, but it's like digi, Digioli? Digi- <laughs> yeah, something like that. Let's go with that. Yeah, and so that it it is a game that is written in Petsky, which is a version, a Commodore version of the ASCII standard character set. And so this doesn't have traditional graphics; it's just basically the character graphics from that computer. Um, you kind of have to see it to understand if you don't know what we're talking about, and you can look these up on on uh, YouTube or something to see what we're talking about. And then we're going to battle that against a ZX Spectrum game. Uh, called Lumaski, I believe I so. that's the name of it. Yeah, and that one is written in the character character graphics from the ZX Spectrum, and that's just in straight ASCII. Yep, and that'll be on uh, next episode, episode seventy three. Yep, uh, and then this episode, where you and I are covering six good games, and we are doing six good. That was a question mark to you. Oh, that was, that was a softball. <laughs> the six good games this month is and i'm drawing a blank for some reason <laughs> i really needed more coffee before starting oh, this episode good gravy. Yeah. six six good game with anthrop- anthropomorphized 
character, lead character. I, I think the beer is going to smooth this episode out. <laughs> Anthropomorphic characters. That's right. So, so, so basically shows that are, are games that have uh, animals that are humanized. They don't have to be animals. It's objects, what? right? Objects okay. that are humanized. I believe. Uh, I thought anthropomorphic meant uh, specifically animals, animals that were humanized. But well, I broke the, right. if that's the rule, I broke it on one game, but yeah, that's all right. We just make up our own rules. Who cares? So, listeners, if you're uh, uh, following along with us, hopefully you're super comforted by the fact that we know exactly what's going on in our own show. <laughs> on our own show. <laughs> and we haven't had any beers yet at all. Yep. There's no, no Eric's take this month. Um, you're going to hear from Tea Time with Tim here in just about, uh, I don't know, 40 minutes or so. He's yep. going to be talking to us about games that remind him of the holiday season. I tried to do that in a British sing-songy British accent. Um, so I'm sure it's going to be uh, very... Uh, Spectrum-y and Amiga-y. I haven't heard it yet, so that's my guess. Uh, and then on the next episode, again, episode uh, 73, which comes out on the 30th, um, I'm going to have my first $100 segment, or do I, Eric? You do. I'll let... I'll let uh, it, it, it touches on the Neo Geo edition, so I guess that's the question. First $100 Neo Geo edition? How do you do that? Listen no, to you find don't. out. <laughs> <laughs> you don't do that. You don't um, do that. And as always, we have our game show. We have catching up uh, on that next episode. And it's our end of the year episode. So we're going to go over our favorite moments and beers and games of 2021. Which leaves us with um, just the news this episode, Eric, and uh, and that awesome Six Good Games segment. So um, in case you guys didn't know, we are part of the Amigos Retro Video Game Network. Eric, can you go th- over those shows real quick and what they've been up to? Yep. So on the Amigos Everything Amiga show, they cover- are covering Hardball 2, which is... I don't think I've played that one. I've played Hardball 1 a lot. I don't think I've ever played baseball. Hardball 2. Yeah. So yeah. it's a baseball game. Yep. And then a- ARG Presents, uh, they had a Game.com handheld consoles, Monopoly versus Indy 500. Interesting. So I don't think I've heard that one yet either. So I'm going to have to listen to that one. Sprite Castle covered the movie Monster Game, which I listened to that episode. It sounds super interesting. I don't think I've ever played movie Monster Game. There was a game similar to that out back in the day. And I remember playing that one, but I haven't played this one. So I need to do that. We can be found. Our podcast, Pixel Guiden, can be found <laughs> at pixelguiden.podbean.com. Um, our show, Our Sinclair. I should, I should say, our Sinclair, <laughs> they covered Enduro Racer, um, and that was on episode 77. The Coco Show, Donut Dilemma, I think is the name of the show, right? That is, yeah. Our name of the game. Uh, I don't think I've ever played Donut Dilemma, have you? I have not, never heard of it. Yep, and then the 1200XL, the game they covered was School Days, and I although, did listen to that one, and I have played that one. Although a, a donut does sound like it goes well with Coco. It does. <laughs> <laughs> and then Tim wanted to mention this next one. Now it'd sound like a, like a, <laughs> do you want me to say this? So you don't you, sound... you say this. Cause I don't want to yeah. announce this. This is weird. So Cody had a YouTube video on our channel. That was C64 modern games. And it has hit over a thousand views. Yay. Yeah, we'll take it. I'll take it. I mean, it's, yeah, not, it's not amazing, but it's our first video to hit that many. I, I believe. So that's yeah. cool. I think that's fantastic. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, as we like to do on the show here, we'd like to start right off the bat with uh, some quick questions. Quick questions! And the first question, 
today comes from our boy Tim, who will join us next episode. And uh, Eric, he asked us, what was your first experience of online gaming? Do you want to answer that first? Yeah, mine, mine, mine is simple because I've, to this day, I've not done very much online gaming at all. Mm-hmm. So um, really never did it at all until I got to college. When I got to t- college, they had a T1 line and everyone was like blown away by the fact that we had a T1 line. Um, I'm not sure if T1 line still means anything. I'm not an IT guy like you, Eric. But for our entire college to have a T1 line, that was like crazy fast and crazy... Um, you know, we used a lot of Mozilla and Kazaa back then. <laughs> yeah. With our newfound T1 line. Um, so, of course, I um, pirated myself a, uh, a digital copy of Counter-Strike and played Counter-Strike online. That was pretty much, to this day, pretty much the only substantial online gaming I've ever done. I love Counter-Strike. I still play that online from from time to time. When I, yeah, whenever I get on good. the PC to game, which I don't do that often. Uh, but Counter-Strike's a great one. I wish I wish that stuff was around in high school when you had time to like just online game, just like get friends together and play games for no other purpose than having fun. Yeah, like that doesn't exist nowadays for for us adulting, adulting adulters. Yeah. So for me, um, online gaming, I mean, there are periods of I'm like you, I don't do a lot of online gaming, but there are periods of time when I did. And there have been games like Interstate 76, City of Heroes, stuff like that. I played a lot online, but my first experience was definitely on a BBS. So it was all text-based, you know, using a modem, dialing up into a BBS and doing these text-based turn-based games. I remember, I don't, I I just would never remember, be able to remember my first, um, the first game, but I do remember like there was an online stock trading game that I played. Uh, There was an online. Is it sad um, that that actually sounds really enjoyable to me? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and it was a, it was a blast from what I remember. I mean, it was it was it was a ton of fun. Yeah, and then I, there was I, I know I remember there was a war one where you had to do resources, um, like spend so much money in research and and do a bunch of other stuff, and it was all text based. So I mean, there are no graphics or anything like that. But you would log in once or twice a day, do your moves. And then log out, and then wait for the next day to. Yeah, when you would. I've done a few of those in college. I remember there's one about like, um, it was almost like I guess it'd be almost like Elite on, um, but it was like a web-based Elite, and there was like a few graphics, but it was more or less like, here's your planets, and you try to do you could do like a certain amount of moves to each planet, and then you try to colonize yeah. other planets, and then trade or battle if anybody decided to battle. And that sounds familiar. That might have, that might be exactly what I'm talking about. Again, my memory is very. I was doing this stuff back in the '80s. <laughs> so well, the one I'm talking about would have been college. So it was kind of old school even then. Yeah, this, this would be while I was playing uh, Counter Strike, you know, at night. Right. But during the day, I'd log in while I was on the school, uh, you know, in the middle of class, and do my moves, <laughs> and then log out and come back four hours later or whenever you could do another move. Yeah. Uh, we got a couple of community questions, Eric. Yeah, let me t- let me tell you one of these. So P- Pajaco sixty five hundred two says, "What retro gaming Christmas decorations do you own?" Um, that's, do you have any? I actually do. I I only have one pack of Christmas tree ornaments that I do own, and they are very cool. And actually, one broke this year coming out of the box, and I had to glue it back together. But they're just um, <laughs> they're controllers. Um, there's a, a Nintendo controller, mini Nintendo controller, and of course, they're just made with the uh, like porcelain kind of stuff not porcelain what do you call it um 
I mean, realistic is probably... Yeah, kind of like ceramic stuff. Yeah. A Nintendo controller, a, a, a Genesis, or if you want to call it Mega Drive controller, an uh, Atari controller, and a PlayStation controller. And those are hung... This year, they actually made it to the family Christmas tree. Usually, I have to have my own separate little Christmas tree to have my little nerd decorations, but... It Aww. made it made it to the family tree this year, so I'm very made proud. it to the big show. Made it to the big show this time. <laughs> Yourself? Yeah, I don't. You know, I don't have any other than that eight bit wreath that I always like tweet out every year, every every Christmas. <laughs> and my but, wife got that for me a long time ago. I think eight or nine years ago. And it it's just like this. It's got. I think it's made out of some kind of foam, but it looks like a pixelated wreath, and it has all these little emblems like the Galaga ship and yep. and a but and a joystick and a controller and all this other stuff and it lights up. There's a little switch in the back that you can put two double A batteries in it. It lights up and stuff. And I remember one year I actually got to put it on the front door. So it was our door. Wow week. though. And uh but kind of my wife put the kibosh on that and so now so um, I have a, I have a, a follow up question to, to yeah. that answer. Yep. How, how many people come to your house see that thing and ask you if it's a Minecraft wreath? <laughs> I think I have been asked once yeah. by one of my my son's friends about that. It's green um, and pixelated, and they're gonna be like, "Oh, like Minecraft?" Like, no, yep, no. Even though you do like Minecraft, but still, I mean, it's, eh, yep. no, it's not Minecraft. But my wife, my wife is really creative, so she creates a new Christmas wreath every year. So she makes oh, wow, a new, one, puts it on the door, and well, then yeah, I, of course you're gonna get yours kicked to the curb. Yours, yours wasn't yep. homemade. Nope, but but I am allowed to hang it anywhere I want in the house, so I'd put just hang it on the wall. <laughs> the freedoms we fight for as husbands. Exactly. <laughs> um, Eric, I want to take this quick moment to talk about our sponsor for the show, RetroRewind.ca. And if you yes. want to go there uh, and give give us some credit, which we appreciate, go to RetroRewind.ca forward slash Pixel Guide in for all your Commodore needs. Right, Eric. Well, there's more now. There's there, more? There what, is more. What could I possibly want than only my all my Com- Commodore stuff? So now, Frank is showing off some cool new Cocoa stuff. So The Tandy, Tandy Cocoa. For people that don't know, yep, the color computer. So there's the color computer one, two, and three, and he is now selling some devices for that and the the cool thing is like the i remember when i was looking for my coco sdc which is the kind of the emulated disk drive for the coco yeah it's your I, sd card solution where you put the sd card with all the stuff you want to play and shove it in a cartridge and shove it in your coco yep and i i remember when i got mine i didn't have an easy time finding one it they took me a to while get, to find yeah. a vendor and i had to wait for someone to manufacture it or, or create it from scratch and now Frank has them in stock, so you can and, get them anytime you want. They're easy. And the to one get. I have is the one I have is like three D printed, and this one looks like a legit cart with a nice label on it. Like it, it's it looks good. It looks legit. Yep, I, and I have the same deal. Mine is like a three D printed neon green case, and it's fine. I mean, I like the case, but I mean that one looks way better. Absolutely, looks like he also is offering capacitor kits for all your Cocoa computers, as yep. well as a Cocoa recap service for all of the Cocoa computers, just like uh, he has done on some of uh, your um, systems, right, Eric? And then uh, I might yep. have one heading his way as well. Yep. And so the um, yeah, so he he has Cocoa one, Cocoa two, Cocoa three. He he'll do the he'll he'll recap them for you, or you can just get the capacitor kit and do it yourself. I think Cocos have all hole through radial capacitors, so 
It looks like um, it from the pictures here, yeah. It's yeah, so an easy cap kit to do. Yeah, so the, you, they're all done for you. You just got to solder them in. But if you don't want to do that, you can send it back to him. And I don't, you know, the, now that we're talking about it, I don't think I've recapped a single cocoa of mine. I, I, I should, haven't. I should think about that. <laughs> but when I do go ahead and uh, send my systems in, Eric, I'm going to use promo code when I check out TISPG. That's T-I-S-P-G, as in TIS the season and Pixel Guide N. And you can too, listeners, to save 10% off, use code TISPG at RetroRewind.ca. This is a special seasonal code, and at the end of the holiday season, Frank will give some of the proceeds to a local Canadian charity. We have another question. That one is from Josh Malone, 48K Ram. And he says, what are your top three hopeful acquisitions for 2022? Anything you've been unable to get that you're hoping will become available again? Ooh, I like how he's kind of assuming it's something new. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even though it's a retro video game show, but also retro-inspired. Do you yeah. Have, do you have three that come to mind, Eric? Yeah, I don't have three to come to mind. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Um, I know I do want Vector Blade, which I've been trying to hunt down, but you and me uh, hopefully are going to make a little trip to the Brewing Academy to pick up a copy of Yes, that. yes, Vector Blade, which is a really cool game for the Vectrix. Yep, and so I want that. I have been contemplating, remember when we talked about that Vectrex controller? Yeah. Uh, the, the adapter? I've been I've been thinking about that a lot, so that's something I really want to look into. Before so you, that might be if, one if other you, thing. If you come to the conclusion to get that thing, give me a call. Let me yeah. see if we want to try to save on shipping by doing uh, getting two. Okay. Um, and then other than that, I honestly don't have anything on the top of my, uh, on top of my list. I, I've kind of reached a point where I'm trying to spend more time with the things that I've purchased. <laughs> oh, come on. Which has that's been challenging a, as well. That's not American. That's not consumeristic at all, Eric. <laughs> exactly. Well, no, think, you're right. I think there's one you forgot, and it's one that you and I think are quickly losing hope on. And what's that? The Intellivision Amico. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm either hoping for the Amico or my, uh, or my initial down payment back. Yeah. Either one's going to be a, a hope at this point. Um, so I'll call that number one. Number two is I want my um, my SD card solution for my Neo Geo that I got last yes. last month. Which you'll be talking about. Yeah, exactly. We'll be talking about a little bit on the, on one of these shows too, right? Uh, what, the Neo Geo? Yeah. Nah, we talked about it last show. I oh, mean, okay. it'll come up. I'm sure it'll come up, but... But this is what your uh, your Cody's Corner is going to be about too, right? Oh, the Neo... Yes. Yes. Neo Geo yeah. and Cody's Corner uh, next episode. Um, yeah. Talking about which games I would buy if I had $1,000 to spend, Eric, but I don't, <laughs> which is why I'm trying to buy the multi-cart, and I want to get one of those, but those are uh, hopeful because they're currently hard, impossible to get, just as everything with a a, a chip in it is nowadays. Um, yeah. And then as far as something old that I was thinking about that I really did want to get a hold of next probably is I kind of, I mean, I've got my, uh, my turbo graphics here and my SD card solution for that, but I still don't have a way to play any of the cool CD based stuff. So I'm thinking turbo duo so I can get all the, um, yeah, the CD, the CD based games, turbo graphic games. So looking for an original turbo duo. Oh, of course. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a collector, Eric. <laughs> I want less time to play the stuff I have and more stuff to want to play later. Exactly. <laughs> oh, one thing I forgot about, I can add my third one, is the Evercade Versus. Yes. Yep. 
Wow. Yeah. I can't limit it to three now, Eric. Uh, you don't have to. We're going to break all the we're, we're breaking all the rules tonight. Wow, though. You can get show information on our podcast at pixelguiden.com. You can also listen to our show on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos Podcast. You can reach us on Twitter using at pixel underscore guiden. You can reach Eric at the project. That's at D-U-H-P-R-O-J-E-C-T. And you can reach Cody at oddball, which is at O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can also reach me, that's Tim, at Sanxion, and that's at S-A-N-X-I-O-N. Please review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or any of the other podcatchers that you use. It really helps us out. You can email us on podcast at pixelguiden.com. And we love any feedback. And also, please let us know if we've done anything wrong and we'll mention it on the next show. We also have a Patreon account set up, so if you wish to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. You can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars. If you do so, you'll get access to the Amigos Retro Network Discord server, where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show, but the other shows such as Bright Castle and, of course, the Amigos, um, amongst other shows. And there's various other topics in there. Um, everything from for sale to music to uh, high score contests, things like that. If you support us at the $3 or more tier, we like to announce every supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on Pixel Guide and using our random adjective generator. And this month, as it is the end of the year, I want to celebrate with all of our Pixel Guide and Patreons by singing you guys a little song. Oh, yeah! Pixel Guide in 2021! What, what? We'd like to thank the permissible Dustin Newell. As well as the agreeable Matthew Ackerman. The domineering Daniel James and marvelous Josh Malone. Pixel Guiden would like to thank you. The measly Eric Sandgren and the bumpy David Vincent. Pixel Guiden would like to thank you. The global 10 mark and spiritual Roy Fielding. The unsuitable Mount Chase is now The purple Mr. Toast and the good paradroid. The zesty Rebel K, Rebel K, and the fitting and stiller. The frantic Mitsuyama and the panoramic Jerry Heather. If it weren't for you, we'd not be drinking all the beer. Playing games and talking into microphones, I'm sorry, my dear. The smoggy Brian Arsenal, the enchanted Paul Jacobson, the one in Jason Holland, and the adaptable Mark Scott. Pixel Garden would like to thank you. Have a great 2022! Pixel Garden would like to thank you. It's been a great year, kinda.
Hey guys, how about we take a little break and check with our friend over the pond? That's right, it's tea time with Tim. Ho ho ho, Pixel Guiding listeners, it's the Christmas special Tea Time with Tim. For this holiday season's episode of Tea Time with Tim, I thought it would be nice to take a stroll down the Christmas memory lane. So just a little bit of behind-the-scenes info while I'm recording this episode. I'm wearing an extremely tacky Christmas jumper, and on it is Link from The Legend of Zelda. And this leads me very neatly into one of my Christmas memories. Back in the early 90s, I used to run a computer shop called Wizard Games. This was a small but very busy computer shop above a video rental store, funnily enough, called Wizard Video. Now this would have been Christmas 1992, when Sega was very much ruling the console roost in the UK with the Mega Drive and Master System. Nintendo struck back with the release of in the UK of the Super Nintendo in April. Almost two years after the launch in Japan in the latter part of 1990. The Mega Drive was the console to have for the masses, but I can remember getting in the Super Nintendo for the first time earlier that year and being very impressed and immediately stocking the system and its games. Over my very short break between Christmas and New Year, maybe three days at the most I think it was, I took home our demo Super Nintendo and a few games. I was sick of the sight of the Mega Drive at the time, but I will come back to that memory shortly. The Super Nintendo was just starting to hit its stride with some great titles from launch and some following up in the run-up to the holiday season. One such title was released in late September 1992 and that is none other than The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past. This is a classy release on the SNES, and one I will always remember playing on Christmas Day after the presents were opened, meal consumed, and sitting back and chilling after a busy time at work the previous day, and now having some time for myself with some of the spoils of working in a busy game shop. I got time to play as Link in his quest through Hyrule to rescue Zelda from the clutches of the evil Ganon. My main memories of this game is the sound and art style. The music on the first level, where you're walking around, trying to find the entrance to the castle, picking up clumps of grass to try and find the entrance, and, sp- and the spot effect whenever you discover something new or reveal a hidden entrance. So cool. What an epic adventure this is, and it's one I've played many times over the years. But I've still yet to complete it. This one was magical because it introduced me into the world of Link and the Legend of Zelda games. Next up, I'm going to jump back to where it all began. Christmas 1983. A then 11-year-old Tim was expecting a pair of roller boots from Santa. When instead, he opened up the present, to his surprise inside was a computer. I had expressed little or no interest in owning a computer at the time. The most exposure I had to that point to a computer was at my friend's ZX81, which we would play a game called Mazogs, which was a maze-style game released in 1982 by Bugbite. 
along with, of course, we would type in basic programs from magazines. But this was merely a passing interest, just because it's something he wanted to play on, and being a good mate, I would join in. Little did I know at the time, I was about to enter headlong into the world of microcomputing and gaming with a 48k ZX Spectrum. Going back to Christmas Day 1983, having reluctantly torn myself away from some of the other toys and games, my brother and I managed to get the Spectrum hooked up onto my grand's TV, as we normally visited my grandparents over the holiday season, as both sets of grandparents on on my mum and dad's side both lived in a town about two hours drive away from us in the town called Cheltenham. So after getting it set up and somehow tuned into the correct TV station, we were faced with a white screen with black writing. Along with the specy came two games on cassette. Now this was really weird, because until that time, the only thing I had done with a cassette is listen to Musical Youth, Bananarama and the Kids from Fame, of course. So the two games my parents went for were Cookie by Ultimate Play the Game and Galaxians by Arctic Computing. Cookie being a fantastic but rock-hard arcade-style single-screen game. This is a shooting and collecting game crammed into 16K where you have to take control of Charlie, the chef. He's moving around the screen trying to dodge the ingredients as he needs to make a cake. The idea being is to shoot bags of flour at the ingredients that come out of the drawers in the pantry to the right hand side of the screen. First off was chunky chocolate and then four other ingredients you would need to be added to the bowl before completing the cake. If you've not played Cookie on the Specky yet, I would really recommend that. So the second game was Galaxians. This is as it sounds, a direct rip-off of the arcade ver version of Galaxian by Namco. It's a pretty faithful version of the arcade game, but again crammed into a 16K, which was just so incredible. I had lots of fun with these two games over the holiday season, and after that, that, as they say, is history. So let's jump forward again, back to 1992, to November in the lead-up to the holiday season. We had the release of one of the biggest Mega Drive games ever, and for me, a game that sold the most copies of anything I ever sold in any shop. I am of course talking about Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and namely, one particular day in November, Sonic Tuesday. The historical importance of Sonic Tuesday is not only is it the global release of Sonic 2, but it was the genesis, if you pardon the pun, of coordinated worldwide release dates for games. Before this point in time, most games would get different release dates in the UK, America, Europe and Japan. Sega's marketing guru, Al Nielsen, came up with the idea of launching the Western localised release of Sonic 2 on the same day in Europe and America on the 24th of November. This marketing strategy turned out to be a massive success and led to establishing Sega as a household name. Because of the publicity, it generated so much hype it turned out to be one of the games I took the largest number of pre-orders for on day of release. For a small shop in Somerset, we had over 150 copies of Sonic 2 on the Mega Drive alone on back order, with deposits taken. 
Suffice to say, the 24th of November 1992 was a good sales day for me. This also led into a chaotic run into the holiday season. With the buzz created by Sonic 2, everyone wanted a Mega Drive for Christmas that year. And we had trouble getting stocks to meet demand. It was a crazy time in the store, the last two weeks before Christmas, and a time I will never forget with the Sega fever that struck that year. So that's it for this Christmas quick trip down memory lane. I'm off to grab a mince pie and try not to get too many crumbs down my Christmas jumper. I hope all you lovely Pixel Guiden listeners have a fantastic holiday season and a safe new year. See you on the next one. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! Wow. Wow there. Thank you so much, Tim, for those memories. And uh, bef- you, and before that, our our patrons, which hopefully enjoyed my um, spirited singing. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> I got caught up in the uh, the spirit of giving. I wanted to create a little something for us. Um, Eric, let's drink the beer. Yes, please. That sounds great. So you got the one uh, that I provided. So so, listeners, Eric and I used to record the show in in person. I decided to be a jerk and move like an hour and 15 minutes away. And so for the last few shows, we have been drinking beers uh, and talking about them on the show without them actually having anything to do with each other. But today, I made the trek through quite literally the the wind and the rain and the storm. Yeah, it was very, very bad weather. <laughs> uh, and uh, we, we switched beers. Yes, we did. I gave you some, you gave me some, and we are ready to share them together, which is the best way to do it, because when we did separate ones, it was, it's, not, it's not as good. Awesome. All right. So go ahead and, and crack that. Well, tell the, the listeners what we're drinking here. Yep. Um, so this is uh, Headlands Brewing Company, California, Eagle Peak Hazy IPA, alcohol volume 6.5%. 6.5%. Uh, this is a tall boy, which is good. Um. I think this is a pretty local brewing company, right? Isn't that, I think it's, let me take a look here. I believe that this one is, uh, it's San, wait a minute, San Francisco and Lafayette, which is in the Bay area. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you disappeared on me. You yeah, left me I, hanging. The, hopefully you did such a good job of filling in time that nobody realized I was gone. No, it was, it was smooth. It was very oh, it was? smooth. Okay, great. Smooth like this beer. So I had to so run. Up, I had to run upstairs to where the the fridge is in this house to get my frosty cold mug that that uh, our boy ten ten minute Amiga Retrocast gave us. Yes, I will say this uh, beer has a very interesting smell. So yeah, I'm making you drink a hazy again. Yes, you which are. I like to do. It's- from time to time. IPAs are not my favorite genre of beer, but I always keep an open mind and try to And they are currently my things. favorite genre of beer. So Really? Oh, they've been for, for a couple of years now. Yeah. Alright, sir. Uh where's my button here? Alright. Cheers. Cheers. Take a little sippy poo. Mmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little, uh, it tastes to me like it almost has a bit of a fruit flavor. Yeah, it, but not heavy. Not, not No, not at all. Overly sweet. Kind of a sweet. And, and you know what? It's like, it, I know this is going to sound so weird, so pretentious, 
Mm-hmm, it doesn't mm-hmm, taste mm-hmm. like a mainstream fruit. It tastes mm. like something like a guava Ooh, yes. or a kiwi. An elderberry, perhaps? Perhaps an elderberry. <laughs> yep. A dragon. Is that dragon fruit? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I'll be honest. Uh, this is one I, I fell in love with lately and I've, I bought it a few times. So I already, I know it well. So um, what rating scale do you want to go with? Hmm. Well, let's do uh, hazy shades of winter. Ooh. How many? How many hazy shades of winter are there? How many hazy shades of winter? I always I always mix it up. Who was that? The Bengals or the Go Go's? Or was it Banana Rama? Oh, well, <laughs> it, it was an '80s band. How about that? Yeah. I gotta look that up now while we're talking because that's gonna bug me. But so how, how many? Ha- how many out of eleven hazy shades of winter? I like it a lot. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with nine point. Can I do points if it's no? It's, it's only can only be so many shades. I'm gonna go with nine shades of winter. I think I'm about right there. I think I'm gonna do right. eight shades of winter because I like it. It's it's not too, one thing I don't like about IPAs is they're too hoppy and and in California especially, there's this great competition for people to try to out hop hop each other. Hop, hop. And so you, IPAs that are just ridiculously hoppy, but this one's not. It's actually pretty uh, smooth. It's got a little sweetness to it. So yeah, I'll give them give it eight. And it was the Bengals, by the way. It's the the Bengals. Okay, okay. Which is also another name for uh, a bracelet uh, that's made of one piece. Correct. <laughs> uh, I think that segues perfectly right into the news. Uh- So you guys can always tell when I can't quite find the button for the sound effect when I added long <laughs> uh at the end. News uh, build. Uh, Tim's got the first one. Yeah, you want I'm me gonna, to read for Tim here? Wait, no, no I'm going to take it. it because you guys put more yeah. news than I did. So okay, go uh, ahead. apparently breaking news as we record: Sonic the Hedgehog looks to be coming to the C64. Wow, he literally just put this in, and maybe out as early as the week before Christmas. However. There's a catch. You will need a C64 slash 128 with 256K RAM expansion unit. Should be good for people who have the Ultimate 1541-2 or the Ultimate 64. Uh, it has been developed by Mr. Sid, and details were released today on the Lemon 64 forum. It will be a free download as commercializing it would attract the attentions of Sega. That And there'll be uh, links in the show notes, of course, to check this out, but... This sounds very interesting because, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog, the earliest version of that, or the, I, I don't want to say the least version of that, is on the <laughs> Sega Master System, I think. And so that is an 8-bit system. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The system with a lot more power. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm curious to see this. There's a video here. I haven't actually seen. Here you go. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's, that looks amazing. So I saw, I did see some still images of this um, earlier today. Yeah. This is nuts. It looks a lot like the Sega Master System. Version. It really does. Yeah. I I hope that, ooh, it actually looks, um, it looks like they created kind of their own levels rather than strictly copying other levels, which is good. Because yeah, it's going to make it a lot fit, more interesting, yeah. Fit, uh, yeah, be a whole new game and fit uh, what the C64, you know, um, 
the you know it has the fat pixels and all that stuff that kind of make it its own thing although this doesn't seem to have those no this looks amazing it really looks amazing and i know it's gonna limit its marketing because not a lot of people have 256k expansions for their real c64s but you know i do have the ultimate 64 and i do have the ultimate 1541 too so either one of those i can just you just literally select the memory expansion you're off to the races so that's pretty darn cool a lot of people probably just emulate it anyway so yeah way cool good call tim thanks for throwing that one in there you guys gotta check that that looks looks amazing cool gotta check that out on youtube although it does have for any purists out there it does have the uh the muddy Commodore 64 Browns involved in it. So don't, don't be too excited. Um, you know, that Sega's getting its peanut butter in your jelly <laughs> or whatever it is, your chocolate in your peanut butter. I always look at like it. That boat always brings that up. Like every time he talks about the C64, he talks about the muddy Brown graphics. I mean, they do it. They have, it's a characteristic look, you know? Yeah. I know exactly what system it is. As soon as I, you know, see video of, of something. Although in that case it was so smooth, I wouldn't have thought so, but Hey, yeah. All right, so here's mine, and this is a holiday-themed one. This is a game called Super Delivery Boy, The Holiday Shift. And there was this game for – there was a game called Super Delivery Boy, which came out, and it it uses this this new engine for the Amiga called the Scorpion Engine. Scorpion. And so you're going to see a lot of games coming out with using the Scorpion Engine. There was a game called Super Delivery Boy, but this one – is called the holiday shift. It is a Christmas skinned version of that. And it really, I I haven't downloaded this yet or tried it. I really want to though, because it looks like the type of game that's right up my alley, kind of like a bubble bubble. It looks um, like, like bubble bubble meets uh, Mario, like the arcade Mario Bros. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So it's a platformer, but it's very colorful, got great sound. I mean, this thing looks amazing. So um, I really want to, I, cause I never got the first super delivery boy. And I, I, I remember taking note of it that I wanted to download it and try it out. And it just slipped. It's one of those things that just slipped through the cracks and I never grabbed it. So it looks really good. And you're not, I just downloaded a bunch of the newer, um, C64 games that I haven't been able to get to. And for whatever yeah. reason, I didn't even, I saw this one, I skipped it and I shouldn't have. It's exactly. Cool. And this one, it takes a basic Amiga, OCS, ECS, so you don't have to have a special Amiga 1200 or anything like that. I think this one is will play on just about any Amiga you got. Yeah, looks awesome. Yep. When I think of Amiga and the Scorpion engine, it makes me want to say, get over here! Get over here! <laughs> uh, Tim's got another one here. Eric, do you want to do this one? Yeah. For Tim? BBC Micro was released 40 years ago on the 1st of December to celebrate Dominic Pajak, Pajak. I'm going to say Pajak. I'm probably not, I'm probably butchering it has made a virtual 3d working BBC micro that you can load and play games through a web browser. And Tim notes, so it's just amazing. It's a virtual beeb. Yep. And I heard about this on another podcast and I wanted to check it out. It says loading key clacks. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and it, it's supposed to make the like the the key. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, the key sounds. How cool is that? Pretty neat, huh? Yep. Let me enter. Mistake. I made a mistake, Eric. Yep. Mistake. Apparently, my com- my command was no good. And then you can. Load but I guess games you can go here. to load. Like you can just load a game like Repton or Chucky Egg, and it's just going to load it up. Just did. Yep. And now Does you can actually, play it. Oh yeah, when you use your keyboard, it works too. Yeah. 
loading screens and everything. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So if you guys have never played with a BBC Micro and you've always wondered roughly what it feels like, hop on here and take a feel. Yeah. I don't have the cool monitor, though, although we, we you and I do have um, Tim Drew supplied BBC uh, Micros. Yes. I, and I love the BBC Micro. It's a great system. I love the feel of it. I love everything about it. I, I um, It's so big, though. It takes up a lot of real estate on the desktop. Yep, I really need yep. to find a more dedicated space for it. So you, sh- you should you should buy a house to put all your games in. <laughs> yeah, I, d- I need to do that. Dang it, dang it, Cody! It, it helps. Eat the rich. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, boom! This next one's me. Now you might not have thought this. Yeah, but Cody's getting some of his uh, retro-inspired video game news off of Forbes.com. What? <laughs> right. Forbes.com. Um, although this story was everywhere, I just happened to find one from, from Forbes. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give Forbes some love this time. Sure. Uh, but no, we, this happened just after our last episode was released. Um, but Atari, the company, yes, the, the current Atari, which uh, everyone loves to hate because they don't know what they're doing anymore and all kinds of weird shenanigans, they all did true. actually release, uh, excuse me, just about a month ago, three new Atari 2600 games. And when I say that, I don't mean some kind of weird Bitcoin thing or digital thing. I mean, you can buy three new Atari 2600 games, Eric. Wow. Uh, I didn't know The first game they have here is uh, Yars Return. So it's a sequel to Yars Revenge. Huh? Huh? That's great. Yars Revenge is probably my top three Atari 2600 games. Yep. Yeah, I, I remember how much you love it. Um, yeah. In addition to that, I'm trying to find the pictures rather than just the words. I've seen pictures of all of these, but um, a game called Aquaventure, which is an unreleased game. So it has now been released. And they come with a, a box and a cartridge and the whole thing. And uh, Saboteur, um, which I'm not sure if that has any relation to the ZX Spectrum Saboteur or not, but I don't think so. I doubt it, yeah. But they uh, um they're they're forty nine ninety nine each or well or you can buy all three for actually it's funny you, you they're forty nine ninety nine each or else you can buy all three for one forty nine ninety nine which means you're actually paying two pennies extra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know thanks Atari. <laughs> all right, that might be the one <laughs> weird thing they did in this. But check this out. Uh, if you get oh I take it back I take it back it's a limited edition release for one hundred and forty nine ninety nine. Okay, that sounds like Atari. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but the deluxe edition includes the cartridge, of course, a poster, printed instruction manual, uh, manual with additional material, a collector's pin and badge, Eric, so you can put it on your baseball cap. Yay! And a digital copy of the game that can be played on the Atari VCS. Wow. Um, oh, oh, and this is key, a certificate of authenticity. Nice. So a digital copy of the game can be played on the Atari VCS, so... So all five of the people that have one can play it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it actually came out. We can't. We no, can't, I, we can't wish for the Amico and uh, make fun of the Atari anymore. That's uh, <laughs> true. Oh, this this uh, is clever though. They, they're they're yeah. limiting the release to the physical copies to a hundred. Uh, I'm sorry, one thousand nine hundred eighty three. So it's nineteen eighty three. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, I forget where I just saw that, but yep, there it is. Boop. Creating some scarcity. So I actually think that looks pretty cool. Uh, if it does I look really cool. If I didn't just put myself in video game debt, um, I might I might pick those up. 
Right on. So my next one is, uh, so anybody who's listened to the show knows that I'm a big Mr. FPGA fan, so much so that I, I shoved mine into a keyboard, like a 3D printed wedge computer case so that it looks like an old school 80 style wedge computer. And that took some jumping through hoops. I had to have a friend of mine on our Patreon actually 3D print one for me, had to get all the pieces, had to, you know, it was a good month project to get everything going on that. But now our buddy Todd Gill from RetroFrog is, he is going to next year start offering a Mr. Case ready to go. So it, it will, you, I think you supply the keyboard and you just screw the Mr. in with an SSD hard drive or whatever you want, pop the keyboard in. And now you have a little wedge computer for your Mr. Yeah. So it's going to be, he, I didn't realize just making it much easier to do. So he's actually going to produce them himself, huh? 3d printed cases. Yep. Yep. In fact, he said he's going to, he's going to buy larger 3d printers so that he can print these all in one swipe. So you don't have to have pieces of it together. Yeah, this is coming in one piece. Print. That's I mean, that's legit. Yeah, and mine is one piece. So luckily, the the friend I have that printed this for me did it all in one piece. But um, yeah, I, I I'll tell you on Twitter. It's one of my more popular tweets that I I put out when I when I first showed off that. Um, oh yeah, that Mister Wedge. Not a lot of people had done it yet, and I've had. I'm not joking. I've had hundreds of people tweet me, whether in private. Uh, direct messages or on Twitter itself asking me how to do it, what I did, which websites I used, what parts I used. And you forward them to the Pixel Guide and YouTube page. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. Because exactly. you do have a yep. video up there. So this is a I good do look- have a video. Yep. This is a good looking. Uh, I mean, did he design this or is he just printing them? I think he designed this one. It looks I- legit. It's got uh, these cool little like honeycomb air holes in the top. Uh, yep. this it's all black with a red Mr. Logo. Nice big red Mr. Logo. Yep. Very cool. Well done, Todd. And I've purchased stuff from Todd before and it got to me very quickly and it, he, he's a good dude. He's not into it to make a ton of money. He's just in it for the hobby. So very cool. Yep. Um, I'll read this one from Tim. Uh, more yep. BBC micro 40 year celebration news. BBC micro coding legend, Kevin Edwards. Uh, has released all the code and instructions on how to assemble his game, Galaforce 2. Which is, by the way, an awesome game on BBC Micro. Like, definitely in my top three for the BBC Micro. Uh, Eric, you're wrong. What it is is an amazing fast-paced shooter for the BBC Micro and Acorn Electron. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> oh, that's I'm what sorry. I said. Word for word, it was wrong, because Tim said it that way. Yeah. Um, all details can be found on GitHub, and here is the uh, the GitHub link, so... I actually clicked on it into a bunch of files. So, a bunch of files, yeah, bunch of so files. Cool. Uh, this is a fun one I wanted to mention, Eric. Yeah. One of your favorite—I guess it's one of your favorite—more uh, modern video game franchises, Grand Theft Auto. Sure, I love them. Yeah, yeah. Rockstar um, decided that they would, uh, you know, make some money and put uh, all of the Grand Theft Auto three games into a definitive edition. We think we actually reported on it last month. And release it on all the modern consoles. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they had to pull it right back off the shelf because apparently, uh, wherever they got the code for those first three games included the uh, legendarily scandalous hot coffee mod. <laughs> exactly. And we won't go into the hot coffee mod, but you should look it up if you don't know what it is because it, 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 
<laughs> it is hilarious. <laughs> I mean, that someone would pop that into a uh, a video game. But uh, I do remember when I was playing the actual game and discovered that. Uh, and it's pretty shocking. So you can well, look you that you up. You don't discover an accident. I mean, you had to like, you actually have to specifically try to pull up that bit of code, don't you? Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think if you could just organically. You have to either, if it was like a PC, yeah. you have to install like a. Um, oh, no. No, something. no, no, no. Nope. No? Nope. The, the original, for the original game, you do not have to. You. I, I don't remember how you trigger it, but you don't have to do anything special because I, I triggered it on the original version on the consoles. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, um, there was a huge lawsuit and millions of dollars and, you know, yep. uh, parents against video games and all that stuff. And after all of that and years of Aftershocks, they forgot <laughs> and put it and released it again. <laughs> released it again because I think they just because, you know, um, Rockstar isn't the one who did this trilogy. No, they handed it they off not? to another company that did the mobile games. Which they'll never do again. <laughs> yeah, and so the company that did the mobile games, I think, got all the source code and was making this into uh, a new version, and I think they just left it in. I don't even know if it was done on purpose. Because it, if you've read anything about oh, this Oh, I'm sure it's not news, on purpose. Yeah, I mean, if you read about this in, in the news, this thing was rushed to market, and there were a lot of glitches and problems oh, in this yeah, trilogy. I've heard bad things. Yeah, and so, well, to their credit, they have come up with a, a massive patch that fixed a lot, if not most, of the issues. So they did kind of go back and try to do it, but it, it's kind of the, the the new trend of games and publishers where oh, yeah. they just release games and they're not ready to go out. And they're, like, we'll fix it once people, people buy it. Yeah, let's let's make some money off of this, and then we'll release a patch later to fix all the problems. Um, anyway. I'll get off my soapbox. Modern game ramp over. Yep. So, Super Metroid-style game on Switch and PC is called A Robot Named Fight. Now, when I researched this, I read about this and was like, hey, this looks really cool. And then after that, I've started seeing tons of people <clears throat> playing this and loving the game. And so I haven't purchased this yet, but I want to. Um, it is for Mac, Linux, PC, and the Nintendo Switch. But it is a game that is very Metro Metroid-like. I'm not going to say the other word. Oh, that wow. Usually is. Yeah, um, it is. But this is very, very Metroid-like, but with all, you know, <laughs> all different levels and different weapons and all sorts of uh, cool stuff. So, so, Eric, once you play Super Metroid, you're allowed to play this. Yeah, and I, I'm still working my way through Super Metroid. I'm hoping by maybe next next uh, January episodes uh, I've made more progress. Uh, so yeah, I, that's right. You did start it, right? I did start it, yes, and I'm uh. still looking forward to it. And I have been enjoying myself, but I uh, just lost um, lost time to do it this yeah, month. Yeah, I needed it. So, the, I mean, if you play the game start to finish, I mean, it's not terribly difficult. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're not going to 100% it, but you can finish it. It's about probably seven, eight hours. So... Okay. The game is brilliant. Um, but then, but yeah, this this is very much Super Metroid 3, if you will. <laughs> yeah. But some um, updated kind of graphics. Um, it's, it's got its own still flavor. Retro-inspired. Yeah, but it, still it retro-inspired got, graphics. Yeah. The gameplay and everything is very Metroid, but the way he moves and the colors and everything are, actually look more Turrican to me. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, especially, yeah. It's yeah. a Turretroid clone. Yeah. 
<laughs> anyway, I, I actually threw this in there, Cody, because I thought you would really dig this. I've seen this in the eShop. Yeah. Um, I think uh, for for a while. Um, and I skip it because it looks so, the, just the title and everything looks so generic, like all the other stuff they throw in on the eShop. Yeah. I never knew what it was, but now that I've seen it. Um, also, keep in mind, it's not only Metroid, Eric, but if you read down below here, where it says something about robots to cultivate the world, but something forgotten and terrible now stirs amidst the stars. That almost feels Cthulhu-ish to me. Uh-oh. Although they use the word Metroidvania right there. It just lost they the do. point. They do. See, I wasn't <laughs> going to say that, Cody. I wasn't going to use that term. Oh, and look what else you can do. You can traverse obstacles, find secrets, and explode meat beasts. I love exploding meat beasts, and I like to barbecue them afterwards and eat them. Oh, good gracious. <clears throat> um, we already mentioned this one, but we'll put it in the news. We'll mention it again, because it is a news item, which is that our show sponsors uh, just released their line of cocoa products and services. So yep. we, did, we did talk about that already as a paid advertisement, but um, very cool. I'm very excited about that, specifically the uh, SDC, as we mentioned. But um, yep. Nintendo Life. What did I click on this thing? Well, uh, Analog Pocket actually yeah. released their first batch of the Analog Pockets to pre-orders. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe they uh, are being shipped out tomorrow. And when they get shipped out, they are taking in more pre-orders. So if you want an Analog Pocket, um, well, by the time this releases it will have been yesterday tuesday december 14th yeah um the machine will begin available to order uh those who order first on tuesday can expect to get their pocket sometime in q1 22 but those who order after that date i guess meaning the day this comes out the 15th you're likely gonna have to wait until quarter four 2022 um it also says some may fall later into 2023 which realistically we can just expect all the stuff to take forever probably longer than that because the chip shortage is still a thing. Um, and this says that's not all though, because of component price increases, the pocket is now two nineteen ninety nine instead of the original one ninety nine ninety nine. Yeah. Which surprises, well, should surprise nobody. We all lived in this world for the last two years. Yep. But it got out, which is very cool. It is cool. And I love the look of the device. I have heard some grumblings on places in the deep, dark, crevices of the internet about um its quality <laughs> like its play quality but you know really? that's just people on the internet i don't know uh much about it. i'm i gotta do a little more research i'd love to have one but honestly i mean i think i have most of the systems that this covers so yeah it I mean, it's just a drive, slick so. piece of hard hard hardware beautiful yeah. i mean it's a beautiful piece of hardware and analog does usually has a reputation for doing stuff right so no nah, it looks like a beautiful system all right, you ready for this? This is a little techie news. I'm not. Are you ready for this? Uh, 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 uh. I'm going to keep yes. doing this while you do it over over the top. <laughs> Let's not do that. Oh, Let's not okay. do that. All right. One PSU to rule them all. One Uh-oh. PSU for the Sega Tower of Power. Tower yes. of Power. So, Retro RGB, our friends there, which we oh, yeah. steal a lot of news from. <laughs> um, <laughs> we give them credit most of the time. We do. We do give them credit, and they are a great resource, a great website. There is a person, which I think it's it's straight through Retro RGB. Are they linking to it or something? I don't know who it is. Um, yeah. 
they have a kit or you can do a pre-assembled kit, I think. Um, well, it looks like it might be only a kit. Anyway, if anyone knows anything about the Sega Tower of Power, which is the, Se- the Genesis, the Sega CD, and the 32X, if you put those all together, you have this behemoth of a system and every single component in there has its own power supply. So now you have three power supplies you've got to plug in. And they're all the same all power the- supply. You just have to have three of them. Correct. <laughs> and so it and- makes a wiring mess and it's just, it's, 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 you know, it, people want to kind of tidy up their situation. So, and even if you have like a normal sized uh, plug strip, it won't yep. fit them because each one of those wall warts takes up two and a half spots. Yeah. So unless you exactly. have like a nine spot, you're not going to be able to plug them all in. So this is a PSU that is, has one wall wart. I think it's not, may not even be a wall wart. I think it's just a wart. <laughs> yeah, it's and, a normal size plug that you know leads six yep. inches to the the bulk of the the item, and then it goes from there. Yep. So I mean, this isn't anything sexy or anything, but it is a thing to clean up your situation. And I think I when when I read it, I was like, you know what, that is really cool. I have the thirty two X and the Genesis, of course. I don't have a Sega CD. Ooh. But if I did, I think I'd be looking out for this. Currently on sale for twenty nine ninety nine, Eric. We might need to pick up. Oop, there's a way to get my, more more percentages off. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yep. Oh, but you do have to pick out if you have a uh, model one yep. Sega CD oh. or model two Sega CD. Yep. And I got the model one. And I don't have one. I still you need. You don't it. have a Sega Genesis? No, a Sega CD. Oh, okay. Okay. I have the Genesis and a thirty two X. I don't have a CD. So I don't have the tower. I only have the, the condo of power. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the duplex cool. of power. There you go. Um, ba, 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 ba. I just thought this was hilarious. Okay. Because it's not I'll hilarious. I'll be the judge of that. It's I'll also, be the it's judge disturbing. of that. Okay. Eric, Eric, if I don't even look at it yet. All right, I'm you, not looking. It, I'm a Nintendo fan, right? Right. And I love everything Nintendo. And that includes all the Pokemon games. Red, blue, purple, chartreuse, diamond, ruby, whatever. All those versions, right? Mm-hmm. I can't get enough Pokemon. So okay. what if I was Nintendo and I was catering to that fan and I wanted to make, you know what? I want to make a little 30-minute Pokemon videos for people to enjoy. What type of video sh- should I make? Uh, maybe a little adventure video. Maybe uh you're, you're close, Eric. No, the correct answer is ASMR videos of Pokemon's <laughs> giggling and sleeping. Yeah, that's no good. This 30-minute long videos. I, I almost clicked on it out of curiosity, but I can't give them the, the view. I just don't want to give it. Like, I can't even let them have my view. There's something so disturbingly wrong to me about videos where people put on headphones and crank it up and just hear, like, other things making noises and that like i don't know i'm i'm not even going to talk anymore about it. i just think it's bizarre and the fact that nintendo is actually making 30 minute asmr videos with their pokemon in it yeah i <laughs> <laughs> your thoughts I, eric I, I, one one silly like little side note not pokemon related though but i remember years ago on twitter i got a computer i think it was the pet the commodore pet and i was I posted a video of me playing a game and I was t- typing on the keyboard <laughs> and um, I know where this is going. <laughs> I'm serious. And I was typing on the keyboard and someone direct messaged me and was like, Oh man, I love that sound of that keyboard. And I text, you know, I, I sent back a message saying, yeah, me too. It's an amazing keyboard. Sounds great. And they're like, 
hey, can you loop that for about 30 minutes and just post it on <laughs> oh <my> YouTube? <laughs> and I, I immediately blocked them. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Everyone has their price, Eric. If, if the, how much did you want to pay you to, to click on that keyboard for 30 minutes? He's like, hey, can you type on that for 30 minutes to take your shirt off? <laughs> Make a video? I was like, no. Uh, <laughs> no anyways, Pokemon. Happen. Everything yeah. Eric just said with Pokemon. All right. Let's... <laughs> exactly. Oh, good gracious. Uh, Eric, you're going to have to take the next one. <laughs> moon ranger 2021 moon Patro- oh moon Ra- oh yeah yeah sorry yep, so it's it's moon patrol for the zx spectrum uh i thought the music was fantastic on this and so the, our buddies at indie retro news.com i got this news thing there i guess there hasn't really been a great version of moon patrol on the zx spectrum but this um looks so good and i i gotta admit moon patrol is one of my favorites and when I was learning how to play bass guitar, like years and years and years ago, I remember I learned how to play the Moon Patrol. I just kind of, that was one of the first songs that I just heard and then tried out on my bass and learned how to play the song. Let me see if I can get some, some music here for the listeners. Okay. And, uh, so it's like, dun, 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 hold dun, on. You got to hear the ZX Spectrum fart at the end when he dies. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, because the explosion sound is always just a fart sound. All right, let's see if he dies here. Oh, he didn't. Here you go. Here you go. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, he made that one. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he's, he's proving you wrong. He's living. There There's a little one. This looks to be an amazing version of Moon Patrol, which is I, I love playing Moon Patrol. It's a great game. Uh, check it out. And uh, and listen to the music. I'm surprised you don't have Vector say. Patrol yet. Then the other Vector uh, Patrol. Yeah, it's the same people who made um, uh, uh, Vector, Vector Pilot. Made oh, Vector, Vector Patrol. Pilot. Okay, yeah. It's Moon Patrol and the Vectrix. Awesome. I'm not. I'm not a, a huge fan of Moon Patrol myself, so that's why I didn't get that one. Um, but maybe, uh, yeah. maybe, maybe our, our boy at the Brewing Academy will take that one on as well. Yeah. Um, so here's some from Tim. A couple of oh, these. Tim, Tim, you get this one, Eric. I'll get the next right. one. Tim says, "Future was eight bit news. Mm. Future was eight bit as a provider of Commodore goodies. Uh, there's a new game, Cheese and Chive, for the Pet 32 X eighty familiar. And I didn't mean 32 X Pet 32 K model eighty column, brought to you by Misfit. Yes, the chap that blew your Vic twenties mind with cheese and onion." That's why it sounds familiar. Yep, but this was cheese and chive. Cheese and chive. And this is for the pet 32K 80 column. Now, I don't. I have a pet, but I have the 2032, which is a 40 column, and it is not oh, 32K. So oh, you can't can, do it. I cannot play this game. But oh, bummer. Okay. I bet it would be great because cheese and onion is great on the Vic 20. Cheese and onion. That's cool. Cheese and chive. New uh, new pet game. We got we to gotta announce every one of those we can find. Um, also from Tim, a new version of Scramble is coming for your Commodore 64. Yeah. So a port, Eric. <laughs> Another port for you, Cody. I love my vines. Um, Scramble may be familiar to many from the arcade years of the 80s, which is also available for the Commodore 64. Now, however, a whole new version has arrived that focuses primarily on quality graphics, as Tim 
likes to put it here. So I'm going to pull this up on YouTube so we can react because that's and what I Eric and tell, I do. And I've seen this. And oh, it, you have? The, I will say the graphics look stellar. Okay. Well, you know, stellar. we're known for our reaction uh, videos as well as our ASMR. So yeah, this will be good. This will be good. Okay. So far, the blue Commodore screen looks pretty standard. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Ooh, nice little loading screen. I like it. Loading I like screen it. looks is off the hook, as the it's, kids say. It's like a muddy blue. <laughs> um, see, I don't, I don't see it, man. I don't see it. You don't see the mud colors? Yeah, I do. I'm just. <laughs> you just got uh, your fanboy glasses on. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. That Look looks... at those graphics. So you know, okay. So here's Cody, port, uh, port, frustrated Cody. Okay. Okay. This is. A great, probably the best looking version of Scramble I've seen, and it looks uh, it, it looks it looks like it plays exactly like Scramble. Yeah. All right. So someone took the time to put all these assets together and make Scramble. Awesome. Okay. I know I already played Scramble. I already have other ways to play it. I'm not terribly interested. You've done this. Can you now make your own version of like Scramble Two, or whatever you want to call it? Can we can we make new levels so that I can go play this game? And be excited yeah. that you ported Scramble because now you made a new version of it that I can play and it'll be new to me. Like, can do you we do think that? This is, do you think this is exactly like the arcade Scramble? This I is mean, exa- with the I same can, levels? Every single, I can see every single platform and everything. Huh. Yep. All right. The same enemies, same, you know, we're in section two. There's five yeah. sections total and then they repeat. Yep. Okay. No, this is, this is exactly it. All right. And he does the so same way I do. You want something new. Yeah, I want to play. No, I've already played Scramble. It looks same, great. S- yeah, you want the same mechanics, but different levels, different a- enemies, sure. stuff like that, right? Sure. You know? I'm not I saying don't point. make the port, but if you're going to spend the time to do this, make like an enhanced version or a new version as well. I don't know. Do something new, too. Just I, I my two saying. cents. Just my two no, cents. No, I understand. Yep. Yep. But it looks cool. awesome. Yeah. The graphics look amazing. Absolutely. And he did a great job of, of capturing the gameplay of the original, which, you know, again, you, if it's going to take you that much time and effort to make it match something that already exists. Yeah. That's where I'm like, okay, you do you, but let's make more. Um, from there, we go to Cody again. Uh, this is a fun little one. There's a couple of new Cuphead things coming up. Eric, if you remember, Cuphead won my game of the year last year. Um, yeah, I think so. Sure. I know it, did, it didn't come out last year, I know, but I played yeah. it for the first time finally after wanting to for so long on yeah. the Switch yeah. and absolutely loved it. Yes, it's difficult, but it's a run and gun. Probably my the, my favorite artistic, um, best looking game I've ever played. Okay. Absolutely love it. Uh, so first of all, the biggest one is that Cuphead has DLC coming. Okay. And it's called Delicious Last Course. And I don't know how big it is, but um, I'll play the video here. It's more Cuphead, which is just amazing looking. I mean, the 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 look of the game, the the atmosphere, the sound of the game, you feel like you're playing a cartoon. Um, here you go. Here's the actual gameplay. I mean, Cuphead's nuts. Uh, here's some more gameplay. I know you said you, you've tried to play it, Eric, and the, the difficulty... Uh, Turned yeah, you off I, a bit, I believe. Yeah. Man, but there's shmup levels, there's running gun levels. You have levels. to admit, it looks amazing. I mean, uh, the graphics are, are very old-timey cartoony, if if people don't know what Cuphead is. Um, they're very, I don't know, what what year would you say that's in? The 30s? They're like, yeah, early Disney, 
um, where everything is moving on the screen. Yeah, it's so cool. Yep. I'm excited. Listen, I respect the game, and I remember I bought it like near day one. And uh, I was excited to play it, and I did. And then it the the difficulty just kind of turned me off because I couldn't progress, and so I, I yeah I moved I feel on like, to something else, and maybe I moved on too quickly. I feel like there should be. It's hard one. I guess it, this is one of those uh, debates a lot of people have about you're making my games too easy, right? I think yeah. they should have a mode that people can play through the game and enjoy it for what it is. Absolutely. For me, the enjoyment came out of the difficulty as well and earning the next level. Right. But you're you're missing so much if if, uh, you you don't have the patience to sit down and play a level over and over again for an hour until you beat it. Yeah. And then you have 30 more levels, you know. Ah, so good. Uh, And then the other thing they came out with, which actually I'm going to, I'm doing this on the fly. So I'm going to head to Amazon.com, who I believe uh, has it on... On display. So if I type the word cuphead into Amazon.com, you will hopefully see that they are coming out with, I already have, Cuphead the board game, Eric. <laughs> um, I just wonder if it's going to be any good. Uh, so many like of these uh, licensed board games are just really bad. There's some that are amazing, some that are really bad. There's few in the middle, huh? Yeah. Uh, and that's where I'm landing on this because it is a full priced, you know, modern board game, fifty dollars. Yep. The art looks like Cuphead. Yeah. Um, there's tons of different decks and things. It's got. I don't know. I. I mean, I want to hear reviews. Yeah. And I love this game so much that if I can find someone who would play it with me, I'll I'll buy it for fifty bucks. Yeah. No. No. No problem. But like you said, I keep, it, I keep an open mind. I just I know a lot of licensed stuff I get like because you and me are both big in the board games. And it tends to be like the license stuff tends to be really crappy because they just kind of cram a license into a game. Yeah, there's a few that are really, really good, though. There's a few that are really good. Yeah. In fact, I just got Jaws. Okay. Jaws is pretty cool. <laughs> one, <laughs> one person's the shark and everybody else are the uh, you know survivors trying to kill the shark. Yeah. Anyways, um, boom, boom, boom. Move on to the next one. So... And by the way, before I I mention this news, and this is going to be a very brief news thing, but yeah, I want to touch base on this beer. I want to circle back to it. Yeah. It's good. I'm sitting with it and I'm almost done with it. This was a good one. This was you're, a good hazy. So you're happy with your nine out of 11? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, I said eight. You said nine. Oh, did you? You said eight. Okay. <laughs> I thought I, thought I said uh, nine as well. I might increase it to nine. I'm going to increase it to nine. Mm. It's a good one. It's a good one. Yep. All right, so this one's quick because we talk about Sarah Jane Avery a lot, and this isn't a, this is official news because she's the one who said it. But there's no there's no more details. But the Briley Rich Chronicle, <laughs> the Briley Witch Chronicles, has done so well that she has, which is a six C sixty four Japanese inspired RPG. Um, it's done so well that she has decided she's going to come out with an Amiga version. Pretty so, darn cool. I think that is really cool, especially if it is comes out with enhanced graphics. Um, like you're saying, kind of, I hope there is something else to it, like maybe additional levels or or something, because then I will it, it'll I'll feel more justified in getting that version. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll get it one way or another, but because I want to support these kind of developers that come out with consistently great games. Yep. And uh 
So I'll get it regardless, but I do hope it's a little, I hope it sets itself apart a little bit from the C64 version. So, but I'm looking forward to it. So yeah. anyway, for yeah, the Amiga, Riley Rich Chronicles. I don't program or anything, so I don't know how much time goes into the programming versus the game design versus the script and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the crossover from people who play the C64 and the Amiga, there's probably a lot of people who are doing, who, who like us, do both. And if we've already yeah. bought it and played it on the C64, I just feel like the market for the Amiga is just going to get smaller at that point. But I don't know. I'm curious. I'd be, yeah. I'd be curious to know the numbers and how that works out. And, um, you know, she's, she's making a few bucks off of it. Yeah. I know she's not doing it for that purpose, but yeah, maybe she just enjoys the challenge. Like, Hey, let's try to do a, uh, knowing her actually, she's always working on new stuff. So maybe she just wants to try her hand at doing a, a Amiga game. Like Amiga programming, yeah. Yeah, and by porting this over, she'll learn the tri- the tricks and stuff. Maybe her next full release will be a brand new Amiga game. That'd be and maybe cool. she'll use the Scorpion engine. Get over here! Get over here! Uh, Tim has one here, which I will do my Tim. <clears throat> Please do, Tim. The Southwest Amiga Group. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I just get all... I mean, I can't. Uh, has released the date for the first meeting of the 2022... Uh, big workbench event. Dave and the team are planning a big comeback after only hosting one meeting since all the crazy times started. Date will be the 5th of February 2022 and expect updates from me, that means Tim, during and after the event. Tickets will be on sale for the new year. The now, workbench now, event. Now, um, now, Tim had plugged... I just want to... <laughs> I was show how the sausage is made here a little bit. Okay. Because I need to learn how the sausage is made. I don't know what we're yeah, doing yet. Exactly. So Tim plugged this into our news a while back. Who knows how many days ago. Okay. And since then, he has texted us saying that the UK is a garbage fire right now. It is a dumpster fire with yes. the Omicron uh, variant of uh, COVID. And, and I have looked at the statistics. It's going nuts there. Mm. So they are starting to lock stuff down again. They are, they are, they are, it, it's not good there. So while we said this news, <laughs> don't newsflash uh, update while this recording happened. Yeah, exactly. Omicron sucks. Yeah. So <laughs> this is, this could get canceled at any moment because of, of Omicron, but let's hope it doesn't. I mean, it, if people are safe, I'm sure this can happen in some capacity, but. Uh, I just found s- that kind of funny because because yeah. <laughs> if you anyway. want to see what you missed out on, go to our show yeah. notes and click on that link. Exactly, Eric. You got the last piece of news here, bro. Yep, and I and this is going to be next month. I'm going to talk about this a little bit and catching up because I did revisit this. But Loop Hero is now available on the Nintendo Switch, and the reason that's a big deal. And by the way, it's 14.99, which is mm-hmm, a, mm-hmm. about the going rate for Loop Hero. Um. If you don't remember, like a few months ago on the show, like this consumed a solid two weeks of my life where I was hooked. <laughs> I was hooked on Loop Hero so bad. I was, I, and I don't do this very often. I was watching YouTube videos every day on how to get my strategy better, um, <laughs> how to make my loops, opt, what they call optimize your loops. Loop Hero literally like consumed two weeks of my life where even when I wasn't playing it, I was watching videos, listening to podcasts about it. it <laughs> it's an awesome game. I got it. And so it, it is available on the switch. I'm not going to talk too much about it. Cause I'm going to talk about that and catching up because I did revisit it. And I want to tell you what my thoughts are 
now that I can kind of step away from it after months of being addicted to it for a while. But it is available now. It's a fantastic game. You can't go wrong with it. So if you had never played Loop Hero, uh, please do. And I remember when I first tweeted out about Loop Hero and playing it, um, some people that trust me in my opinion on games said, well, okay, well, I'm going to go out and give this a shot. And they tweeted back to me saying, oh, what have you done? I'm addicted to this <laughs> You've game. You've ruined my life. Yeah. Hey, I love it. Loop Hero. Check it out. Um just just google it is it pretty it haven't. is pretty cool and it looks like they added a few uh, features and things for, for the switch version from what i can tell too so and i'm going to talk about that and catching up a little bit okay. um so uh because i i did buy it and i've played it and i want to tell you my thoughts about it now that it's on the switch because it had every potential to go wrong because this is a game you play with a keyboard pretty much yeah the controls Yep. Yeah, so what is it like going to controller? And I'll talk about that on Catching Up next month. So if you guys want to hear what Eric has to say about this game that you just bought in two weeks, because mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. by this point, they're going to go buy it. And then when the 30th happens, they're going to be like, great, I already bought it now. Let's hear what Eric thinks. But that's yep. fine. That's how it works. That's how we roll here on Pixel Guide N. Yep. And the, and the reason I'm bringing it up on our show is that it is very retro-themed. I don't know if, oh, you, yeah. if, if you remember. It is very, very retro-themed, which... It's actually very Commodore-looking, very muddy colors. But <laughs> <laughs> would actually, be so proud of you. See? Somebody could totally make a uh, a Loop Hero Commodore game. That would be a good port, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think... Uh, I thought about that while I was playing it. I was like, this could be easily ported to the C64. I really do. I really it think could, it could. This, this, I mean, it could be done on the Spectrum with, like, ASCII. It could, <laughs> wow. That would be... That would, maybe. Maybe. I Which, mean, there would be... You know, yeah, Which ties into absolutely. our battle of the systems next episode. So, yeah, uh, Eric. Normally, Excellent. this is the point in the show where we uh, we toss it on over for an Eric's take segment, but you did not provide one this this crazy month. No, I, it was a crazy month for me, but I did spend that time doing a nice game show, which I'm hoping next uh, episode uh, it will come out okay. <laughs> Very <laughs> I'm worried cool. about so, it. So at this point, we either need to crack into another beer if you're done. Yes, I am done. And then, um, and then hop into six good games. So let's go ahead and uh, and uh, wet our whistle, so to speak. Okay. And by the way, whenever you ask, you know, are you done with your beer? Are you ready for the next one? The answer will always be yes. <laughs> Noted. Just just for the future. Noted. I heard the future was eight bit. <laughs> it is. Uh, let's do, do the one you provided. Uh, okay, let's do that. Uh, All right. It sounds oh, yeah. like. It sounds like Eric just went into like a fully stocked liquor cabinet and was like clinking around in bottles looking for like the it is. Know, 40-year-old aged <laughs> scotch. So I'm going to talk about this beer, but I, I'm going to, in the kindness of Christmas, in the spirit of Christmas, <laughs> I bought this with you in mind, Cody. So I know you did looking at it. Thank you very much. Yeah, not so much the graphics on there. I, I, <laughs> I would you never flip too. you off, but I, I'll, I'll explain this. But um, this is from, and there is a little story behind this. So um, one of my clients, I'm an IT guy, and one of my clients has road crews because they they do road work. And so I have to go to these little towns outside of Sacramento uh, often to go to the road crew and help them out with their iPads or whatever. And I kept passing this brewery in Davis, California. Davis is probably a good, uh, from where I live in Sacramento, Elk Grove area, you know, it's a good, I don't know, half an hour away. Yeah. Um, 
But in Davis, which is a college town, there is a little brewery in there that I drive by all the time called Dunlow Brewing. And I've never stopped in there yet. Uh, they look like a nice little brewery, but I haven't gone in there. But this one is by Dunlow Brewing, and it's called California Hello Oak Aged Berliner Weiss. And it is a key lime and strawberry Weiss beer. Um, and that's wow. Weiss, W-E-I-S-S-E. Weiss. Um, I'm so, all about the key lime. I'm not sure how that works with strawberry, but we're going to find out. So what this says is step <laughs> basic steps to a regional customary greeting. And there's a woman giving an obscene gesture to a man. <laughs> and it says, step one, with palm forward, extend index finger and middle fingers. Step two, rotate hand 180 degrees. Step three, palm now faces the greeter. Step four, flex index finger. Step five, don't forget to smile. And then it shows the middle finger going up, which is... Which is not the index finger. So I think those are actually bad directions. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> but it does have a, a pictogram as well with the hand motion. Step one, yeah. two, three, and four. So let's open this bad boy and try it out before we waste any more time. Oh, man. I'm excited about this one. Let's see. Let me and go I, with the I, aromatic I, impression. I, yep. Ooh, and it's I've seriously sour. bought... Yeah, it's definitely... I definitely... And I'm serious. I bought this with you in mind. I was like, you know what? That looks like a, a beer I think Cody will dig because you are into the key limes. Yes, and I love the sours, although this it doesn't say sour. What does vice mean? Edelweiss means flower, doesn't it? What is it? Hold on. Yeah, Berliner Weiss. That would mean a Berlin, I don't know, oak-aged something something. I don't know. Vice translation. White. That's right. Edelweiss. It's like white flower, I think. Interesting. I don't know why it's sour, but hey, let's give it a shot. Eric? All right, cheers. Thank you, sir. Cheers. Ba-boom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's, it does smell like a little bit like a sour, though, doesn't it? Oh, it's a sour. Is it really? Oh, yeah, it's a sour. Is it sour up the wazoo? It's a good medium sour. Not over the top. Ooh, dang. <laughs> dang. More sour than, than I described it, maybe? It's interesting. So, I like it. I really do like it. But I, I okay. like it because it's a sour. Okay. I'm not getting any strawberry or any key lime. <laughs> I'm getting sour, which I like. Yeah. Right, do you taste any any fruit flavors at all? When you mix it with the smell, it does. I do get a hint of strawberry, but not so much key lime. Right interesting fine yeah I can, there's a little strawberry okay all right well i mean i, I mean i hope you like sour. it but i mean i'm kind of disappointed because i know you like been digging the key lime a lot i've really been digging the key lime and i'll be honest it's not there but it is a sour and it is a good sour okay. um just misleading sour but good why don't you create the rating system this time um well there's only two middle fingers on any given hands, Eric. So <laughs> we're going to do the Siskel, Siskel and Ebert. Does it get zero, one, or two middle fingers up? <laughs> the double bird? Yeah. I'm going to give it the double bird. It's good. It is misleading, but double bird. I like with, it. But with dirty fingernails. It is refreshing. It's, it is a bit of a um, false advertisement, but I will give I'm going to give it the double bird as well. Okay. All right. Good, good. 
Um, all right, let's just hop right into it then, Eric. This would be kind of a nice one for summer, eh? What's that now? This beer. Oh, beer? This would be a good. This would be a good summer beer. What What would be a good uh, a segment to hop into though? Let's jump into our six good games. Six good games. All right. So, Eric, go ahead and uh, I don't, I don't want to say this word again. So, let the listeners know what what the segment is covering this time. So, this is uh, six good games. Games, and you you came up with this. So, you're you're. <laughs> I the wrote one to blame. it though. I didn't say it. Six games with anthropomorphized characters, and I thought anthropomorphic characters were based on animals that had human traits. So look that up for me and see if I'm wrong. So it it so no that's it, it's correct that my my thing was uh, it doesn't have to be animals and so it does say okay. anthropomorphism is the attribution of human traits, emotions, okay. or intentions to non-human entities. So like Cuphead would be one, right? Yeah, it'd be a anthropomorphized cup. Okay, then then I I stand corrected. I and just... that's actually a game I should have picked, but I have covered that recently. So yeah, that'd be a perfect example for a that'd be under six amazing games, Eric. Six this, amazing. This, yeah, there's only six good, good games. Hey, someday we're gonna have to do, go to the mirror universe and do six bad games. Six bad. Well, hey, the uh, what the ARG presents did. Uh, battle of games with uh two out of ten stars or lower <laughs> that's right i remember that it was good <laughs> which is a good scale because a lot of people do out of five so one it'd be one out of five or lower the only uh, problem with that is that with, having listened to their show now for a long time a lot of their games are really bad that's true because they play everything because they play everything. some very stupid rudimentary kind of <laughs> crappy systems <laughs> yeah like the pet oh i'm sorry i just Oh my goodness! Take that back. My apologies. It's this beer. I don't know what it's doing to me. Eric, do you want to start? Or do you want me to start? How do we want to do this? Why don't you start? Um, I, okay. I messed up. I wanted to bring the, my first one. I have the tape, but it's it's okay. Go ahead and start. Um, why don't you, you gonna, start? You're going to pull a Tim and show the tape on the uh, yep. video stream between us. I was while we talked about what the tape case looks like. Yep, but awesome. never mind. It's fine. <laughs> All right, so I took this opportunity to play a game I've been wanting to play for a long time. Yeah, I've and, heard of this. And as usual, I hopped to my trusty NES, which is the system I am most confident in. Excuse me. I burped up a little sour. Hmm. <laughs> and in this case, Eric, it is an amphorphomorphized green bunny. Okay. That's right. We're talking about... Excuse me, there's more sour. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about the... Uh, the uh, the ripoff of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when everything was uh, an animal that turned green and extreme and kicked butt. Yeah. Uh, in this particular game, it wasn't a team of, of such animals. It was a singular green bunny. And we, of course, are talking about the NES game Bucky O'Hare. Yes. This was released in 1992 uh, by Konami. So you know it's going to be good. You and Eric. It. Yeah. It was true. It was one of the good games. Um, I got stuck playing this for quite a while. It is very, very good. So it is a side-scrolling platformer running gun. Um, it is very much a Konami version of like a Mega Man game. 
Uh, so it almost opens with kind of like a battle Battletoads vibe. In fact, it looks very Battletoads-y because you've got ships that are green frog creatures coming out of the sh- It's Battletoads. Um, and they're even called the Toads. And then it has a cool little story here with some little cutscenes. Uh, just like Mega Man, and this was pretty new at the time, especially on the NES, you had your option of four different scenes. You can go in any order. The green planet, the red planet, the blue planet, or the yellow planet. Um, now kind of, it's kind of a mix between, uh, the gameplay is very much Mega Man, um, with some tweaks, but it's also kind of a uh, Metroidy in the fact that there's parts on some of these planets you can't pass until you get an ability from another planet. Okay. Um, but anyways, here's Bucky in this case. He's, uh, I mean, even the feel of running and jumping and stuff is very Mega Man. Um, however, he can, which Mega Man cannot do, he can shoot up when you hold up and shoot, and, and when you um, jump and press down, you can shoot below you. Um, so in this particular level, he's on the green planet, and he is climbing a tree and shooting worms and hornet nests with bugs coming out of it, spiders that fall and blow up into pieces. Uh, it's a straightforward running gun. Um, it's quick. It's very... Um, the controls are very tight. Here's some p- good platforming levels. Now he's at the second part of level one, where he is uh, going down a river on a log, but you can jump up and land on these little pads in the trees. Um, this is classic platforming stuff here. Just make sure you don't fall off and fall into the water. It's not groundbreaking, but it is solid and it is fun. And Eric, what you would love about it is unlike Mega Man, when you are playing through the level, it could have between like five to seven different areas in that level. Yeah. And when you die and lose all your lives, you just go back to the beginning of that area. You can continue. Now, of course, your score goes away. Yeah. But who plays for score anyways? Come on now. Yeah. Um, when you're playing this kind of game, you're just trying to survive. <laughs> yeah. So it's really, yeah. it's really, uh, first of all, it's just really fun. Um, yeah. But it's a game that you can you know, leave, leave your NES on <laughs> yep. and, uh, and just keep playing through it. Now, every, every time you beat a level, you do get a, uh, password save. Uh, and you can see in this case, it's, they mixed up the gameplay a little bit cause he's falling down a waterfall and you're, it's, you're dodging, um, things that are falling past you. Let's go to a different level so you can see here's an ice level. So in this case, he's already got an ability from the first level where he turns into one of Bucky O'Hare's pals. Now, Bucky O'Hare, I, I believe it was a comic book. First and foremost, I, I remember probably, I had a couple. Yeah. And I think they you, tried to make a TV show. They did. Um, but I know, I think it was a comic book. The most successful was the comic book. And it was Bucky O'Hare with like his team of pals, right? Yeah. And really, to me, it gives off, uh, even though it came before, it's very much like a Star, uh, Star Fox vibe as far oh, as okay. the characters. Yeah, yeah. Because they're all different animals and completely different. So whatever this creature is, I don't know what that is, a penguin or something? He has, like, ice attacks and slightly different attacks. He can't jump as high as Bucky. Um, you eventually get here, you know, there's, a, I don't know what this girl is, a chipmunk or something? Um, and she has, uh, you know, different abilities still. She shoots, like, a laser beam. So depending on what you're fighting, you can switch between the characters by pressing, I believe, the select button. Okay. And there's, like, certain blocks that you can only destroy if you have the penguin guy or if you have the... Further on here, you get this fire guy, and you can only destroy ice blocks with the fire guy. So it kind of becomes a rock, paper, scissors thing where you have to beat certain levels to get the right person to get past other parts of other levels. Um, but ultimately, it's just type, fun, 
running gun gameplay. Very good. Um, I got to this point here where I just beat the last uh, planet, and um, I didn't realize this yet, but I haven't even got halfway through the game. So I played I played a good couple hours to get to this point, um, and I plan on completing it. It's fun. That's awesome. And this also was an arcade game. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. Now, I don't know if it's the same game, but there was a arcade game called Bucky O'Hare. And it, um, the first time I had ever heard of it um, was on uh, Flax, uh, Sprite Castle, not Sprite Castle, but on, um, what is the other one? You don't know Flax. You don't know Flax? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he was talking about his arcade collection and he had a Bucky O'Hare. Did he really? <clears throat> machine. And uh, he he raved about it. Um, really? I'm going to have yeah. to give that and a so shot. This is, I don't think it's the same game because that's a platformer and Bucky O'Hare arcade machine is more of a beat em up. So like this, a, this clearly looks like a better, uh, <laughs> graphically better. It is still yeah. a Konami. It is still you're, Konami. Yep. You're, it's funny though because even though it's obviously better graphics and stuff, the art is actually kind of cheesy. I would it have is to cheesy, say. but it is a cartoon. I mean, it's... But, I mean, so it looks like it's a... Um, it's almost like a, a side-scrolling beat-em-up, but you actually do shoot. He's yeah. shooting a gun. This yeah. is weird. And it looks, like, very pastel-y, and it almost looks like it's animated by a child. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean, but do you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I like the individual saying. stills look good, but he walks really awkwardly. It does not look normal. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm actually very interested to try it though. It it clearly is inspired once again by Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I think you're right. Yeah. Did um, but I think the the Ninja Turtles were Konami though. They were yes. Wow, I want to look into this. This is really this is a this is interesting to me. Interesting. Cool. Okay. Cool. I'm glad I was able to enlighten you. I've I've been illuminated. <laughs> but no, the NES version looks really good and I've I have heard about it. I've never played it, so it's good. I might give like that it. a shot. Your first game, sir? Bear Essentials on the Commodore 64. And this is oh. by our friend Graham Axton on uh Twitter. Um I have the tape of this, and I, I meant to bring it to this recording, but it is downstairs. I don't want to run down there and do it. But this is a st- this is a game about bears and and their essentials and their essentials exactly. <laughs> Graham Axton <laughs> is the author, and the cool thing about this is that um, if you wait here, boom! Do you see my name right there? Oh, look at that! You're putting your own your own. Yeah, cameo is in the show here now, Eric. That's right. This came out in 2016. This came out in 2016. My name is in the credits because I was one of the beta testers for the NTSC version of this game. Um, Graham is, I believe, in the UK. (laughs) And so he was working on the PAL version, and he would send me copies of this as he was making it to test on NTSC. And so I was able to go in there. And And it does play beautifully on the NTSC. I'm going to back does, you yeah. back you up on this game. I'll, I'll let you get to the game in a second, but I do need to point yeah. out, kind of like you said with Moon Patrol earlier, yeah, the music in this, yeah, has this like deep hitting bass line. It does, yeah. It's cool, like, and it's kind of like that really simple Moon Patrol uh, uh, song that you love so much playing on the bass. Yeah, this. I mean, I'll just go ahead and and give away go my ahead. copyright right here. 
And it just repeats, but the whole time I'm loving it. Yeah. Um, now, I shouldn't say that because I think as you go to different parts of the landscape, the music changes. But anyways, you you get back to it. Yeah, so I, let's go ahead and hit play there because I want to walk through a little bit of the things while I'm watching it. Um, the reason I picked this is they are bears and they're bears, but they're, they are anthropomorphized because the... I think it's the, I think it's the wife bear or is it the mother bear? I think it's the wife bear. She is wearing a little bow tie and he tries yep. to come home and she's like, "Nope, you got to go out and collect so many apples before you come home." These wives always telling <laughs> us how many apples to collect. I'm telling exactly, you. exactly. Here you go. Bear and his family face winter is so grim, but three hundred and twenty-six apples should feed them till spring. Yeah, an adventure begins. <clears throat> and so she's stomping her foot and she's telling you, go get those apples. And you turn around, you head out and it's like a platformer where there's these trees in the beginning. And <clears throat> you basically have to jump over enemies that are like these snails and, and, and other enemies down the road. And you collect the apples that are on these branches of the tree. The branches are the platforms. Uh, and you go around. The graphics are fantastic in this game. Very colorful, um, if you like muddy brown, they're actually not um, muddy, and they, he found a way to make it pastel-y rather than muddy, in my opinion. Exactly. Yep. And then you clear the level, and then it—it's not scrolling; it's a flip-screen platformer. And like this one has bees and crows and and frogs, and the frogs will stick their tongues out as you're traversing the levels. The trick is to avoid them. There isn't a fire or anything like that. You don't you don't hit the fire button. You just move around. Fire is jump. Um, and you collect the apples. And you need to collect so many before you can come back home. And there are a ton. I remember when I was troubles, like, like uh, troubleshooting the NTSC version. I did end up beating this game. Nice. Um, but... It, it 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 does get very challenging. I mean, there are levels on this. These are this is kind of like one of those old school ZX Spectrum games where there the the creatures are the I mean the frog does stick his tongue out, but the creatures they're just moving in a certain pattern up and down, left and right. And you have to navigate these screens to to get the apples and come back home. But I mean, it is a, not it is not pixel perfect. It's very lenient and makes it very fun. Absolutely. And that, that, that's important because a lot of the Zach Spectrum games were definitely pixel perfect, which made them very, very difficult. So, um, this one is more of a, I mean, <clears throat> I'm not the best gamer in the world at all. And I was able to beat this game. There were challenging stages, but I think you would enjoy Anybody would enjoy this game if they grabbed it and played it. And there's at least a good three, three hours in this game. So give it a shot. Good choice. Good choice. And it yeah. is a good game, even though you just picked a game with your name in it. But that's cool. Absolutely. I did. Yep. <laughs> I did. Yep. And it plays well on the C64 Mini also, by the way. It absolutely does. Yeah. So that's my good pick. My choice. first choice. Yeah. I like it. And he does, even though he's a bear, he's anthropomorphized as he is also walking on his hind two legs the whole time. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. There's a, these games, there's, it's like comfort food. It's just collecting, again, 326 apples, you know? Yeah. Like, every time you get one, you feel fulfilled. And if exactly. you die after collecting only 89 apples, you're like, I can probably get 120 next time. And I can probably get 150 next time. Yeah. 
Just I love a game like that. Moving forward. So this next game on my list is going to be a very non-Cody selection. Okay. Um, it is an anthropomorphized dragon, Eric. Okay. I'm also not picking one game, but two. Excuse me. Because when I was in college, I was late to the party on the, the Game Boy Advance, and I never had any interest in one because I'm always like, wait, that's like a Super Nintendo, but we're already in, you know, playing Nintendo 64 now. Why would I want a little mini Super Nintendo? Right. And then eventually I saw somebody with a Game Boy Advance SP with a lit screen that looked all sleek, and I'm like, oh, I have to have that. That thing is cool. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, one of the games I ended up getting was Spyro. And the reason the Purple Dragon, Spyro, um, there's two games. There's Season of Ice and Season of Flame, I believe. Season of Fire? Okay. Yeah, Season of Flame. The reason that's weird for me is because I don't know why I never thought of this before, but it is an isometric game that I enjoyed, Eric. Yeah, that's right. It is very much an isometric game. It is kind of like a top... <clears throat> well, it's a typical isometric viewpoint. Uh now you can go diagonals as well as you know up down left and right the orthogonals uh so it's not purely isometric but the viewpoint is isometric and much in the way uh bare essentials uh is it is essentially just fun comfort food uh collect them up there's you have to collect so many gems on each level and each yeah. level there's so many keys that unlock so many gates to get to the next part and everything's got pretty bright colors and themes and there's um, you know, like there's different characters that will help you on your path, giving you hints or giving you abilities. Um, there's these different landscapes, and of course they're tiered, right? So you have to jump up steps isometrically while you collect gems. And then like right there, this cheetah just showed you, hey, look, if you jump over to the, off the edge of the, uh, the little island you're on here, you can float using your wings and there's other islands next to this one that you need to explore to collect all the gems you need in order to complete the level, to move on to another level. Um, it is not groundbreaking by any means. It is, I think it's pretty. It's very colorful. Everything it moves. Is. It's almost like an isometric metal slug in the sense that everything's moving all the time. Um, it is not it does not lack any challenge but it is not difficult it is kind of just like you play through it you might die a few times and then beat the level move on to the next one um it's just a, a good time killer yeah uh, kind of- there's definitely a a argument to be made that especially like this last month for me i would love to have a game where i just kind of relax and chill out like yeah. it, it doesn't take like masterful reflexes to get through a level. You just want to like go collect stuff and avoid things and, and enjoy the, 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 the art and beauty of a game. Yeah. And this looks like it's right up my, that, that would be right up my alley. Yeah. Yeah. So in the season of ice, uh, Spyro shoots flame out of his mouth, which melts all the ice and he can kill, you know, <laughs> he doesn't kill bad guys. He, he shoots them with flame and they bounce off the screen magically. Um, yeah. And then in Season of Flame, he has an Ice Blast. So, they're, they're both games are equal. Um, yeah, just go collect a bunch of stuff and get keys and move on to different levels. And it's and I, I've never played a Spyro game. And I know there was one, what was it, for the PlayStation 1? Like, the first, he, like, console version was on PS1. Is that right? Yeah. Now, to, to be fair, the, the console versions are the, are the actual Spyro games. When people talk about Spyro, that's what they're referring to. Yeah. 
these are no more than kind of a, a comfort food spinoff. Yeah. But, um, but I enjoy them. And these are the only ones I've played, actually. I've never actually played the, uh, the 3D platformer Spyro games. Yeah, so. and neither have I. So, I mean, this would be this looks like a great game. I, I, I think I'd enjoy this one quite a bit. That might need to be a future Battle of the Systems. We try one of the original Spyro games. True, exactly. Cool. And that is like my it. second good game. So you remember how we all, we, we, I think you were the first one to say this was like, Hey, on the show, like pick a game you want to play and then force it into one of our segments. Like, yeah. Hey. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah. And which is a good way to, to actually kind of come up with new ideas for games to play. Right. Yeah. So I have never played a Star Fox game. Okay. Uh, never. I never played one. I don't know anything about them, but I hear people raving about them. So. I decided I'm going to try to play the very first Star Fox on the Super Nintendo first. Brave of you. And I never, brave of you. I ne- <laughs> What'd you say? I said, that's brave of you. Yeah. So like, I was like, oh, I'm going to play this and see how it is. Now, I know that the Star Foxes that came later, Star Fox 64, and I know they're different games and they have different elements to them. But I wanted to play the original. And so I did. And for the Super Nintendo, using like the mode, what they call it, mode seven graphics, um, I had a lot of fun with it. I mean, it, yeah, it, it, it's dated, you know, for its time. Uh, but it is basically at a sense, and I didn't know that I didn't know this going into it. Star Fox is for all intent and purposes is a it's just a 3D shoot 'em up, right? Yeah, it's a yeah, into the screen tunnel shooter, if you want, like a Star Wars type of game yep i had no idea now you do have wingmen which is all your little dudes i don't know their names i didn't i didn't take the time there they are peppy Peppy, falco Falco and slippy Slippy. the bunny the falcon and the toad yeah exactly and so they fly with you they're your wingmen and there is a screen which is like the uh, map like the Mm -hmm. the map where it shows you a path to get to the end of the level and so there's an asteroid field or a black hole or space armada or sector Z or whatever. You're trying it's to basically get to, the, to the venom. Yep. And you're trying to get to venom. And so there's these levels you have to go through. And when you select it, that's all there is to the game is you, you pick a path and then you go and you shoot things and fight things. And there is a, a fire button. And there is also like a, a super bomb. I don't know what they call it in, in, in Star Fox, but there's like a super bomb where you can annihilate what's on the screen and you need to just get through the end of this level. And then you jump to the next part of the map and you're, as you get closer and closer to venom. And, uh, I did not beat the game in my sitting, but I didn't get to spend a lot of time with it. I think I spent about an hour, hour and a half, but I did enjoy what I played and I played it on my real super Nintendo and good. Um, I I had I had fun with it. So I mean this is a good game and I can see why the franchise took off with this game and and uh there's not much more to talk about it other than it's fun. Uh, the one thing I would say so you mentioned it's not mode 7. I don't know if if there's any mode 7 in this. Oh okay. Um but this game the reason when it came out it was like 100 bucks I think. Oh and it's really? because it included the wow. super effects chip inside the actual cartridge. That might mean that might might have been what I meant to say. Yeah, yeah I think it was. So Super Effects chip. And there's only like seven games that had that Super Effects chip. But what was so cool yeah. about it was, you know, this is right before the PlayStation and uh, these new systems came out. 
and everyone else is trying to figure out how to do 3D, and Nintendo found a way to be like, oh, we'll just put a chip in the cartridge itself, and cool, now we've got 3D on our Super Nintendo, which everyone already has. Do a little custom chip. And I think that's why this was so big, is it's like the first time a 3D game was so available to the masses, and it's a decent little game. Um, It's a decent, it's definitely decent 3D. I mean, it is very reminiscent of the Star Wars game, except that it's it's not vector graphics it's it's textured and filled in yeah yeah i I, i've never actually spent much time with it you've spent more time than i have i've played it you know once or twice here and there for a few minutes but it never grabbed me enough to put that much time into it but um i know it was a big hit and obviously it became a a, you know a franchise for nintendo here you're just fighting a cube (laughs) with monkey faces on it that's right very cool yeah and then they actually did, uh, well, you know, some a lot of people already know this now, but they did actually create a second Star Fox that was to be released on the Super Nintendo. Yep. And it never and was never released until the uh, Super Nintendo Mini came out. They finally decided to release the uh, almost finished version of Star right. Fox 2 for the first time ever, which is pretty cool of Nintendo. Yep. And and so you, you are right. It is used the Super FX chip, but guess what? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Mode 7? It- it also does mode seven. Okay. There you go. So um, I looked at because there's a list of uh, on Wikipedia, there's a list of selection of games that use mode seven and that Star Fox is one of them. Oh, interesting. I'm curious if it's the, uh, I think it might be this down here at the bottom. Yeah. I think it like, like, so the, the levels you start out with, they're like you, you fly between these pillars and when you move left and right, the whole bottom moves like right here, right here. Yeah, exactly. This yep. is mode seven. I think the 3D polygon enemies and stuff, that is the Super FX chip. Yeah, I bet you're right. But the yep. landscape scrolling is mode 7. I think you're correct. Cool. Yep. So it used it all, which that in and of itself is why, like, I think it's a pretty groundbreaking game for Super Nintendo. I mean, Definitely it is fun to play. I wouldn't say this isn't one of those games you're going to spend, like, your whole life playing, like, oh, man, I'm going to play this forever. Like, this is one you play and you're like, you know, that was pretty good. And then you move on. Yeah, it doesn't quite hold up the way a lot of classics do, but yeah, its legacy but does. It spawned a it spawned a whole franchise. I mean, now there's player Star Fox players in in uh, Smash Brothers and stuff. So oh yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gonna cool. jump to the to the other the other popular 16 bit, which is the Sega Genesis or Mega Drive, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Yep. Have you played uh, Ristar or heard nope. of Ristar? I've heard of Ristar definitely. I've never played it. All right. That's kind of where I was, and I knew enough about it to be like, I need to play this game. So I was so glad that my anthropomorphic star, not animal, right, uh, does fit the criteria. Yeah. Um, so Eric, I can I can almost guarantee you, I did not look this up, I can almost guarantee you the team that made Sonic the Hedgehog made this game. It looks like it, definitely, because it's it, very fast. It's, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I think it's capable of being fast, but the gameplay is made to be... I think everything that you dislike about Sonic, this yeah. game gets rid of. Oh, good. So good. I think you I, would be, Sonic is just like I just feel like you're out of control. Like, well, I'm going to go down this loop de loop, and like I never could gel to the Sonic m- mechanics. I understand. I, yeah, and and that's partly why I was excited to talk to you about this one. So, oh, cool. All the good qualities of Sonic, without all the stuff you hate about Sonic, <laughs> yeah, is I believe in this game. 
so the I mean the graphics are gorgeous, very colorful. It's got they that, are, and they 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 do remind you of Sonic a little bit. They're very Sonic, uh, and, yeah. And even the, the kind of the level design, the way at the end of the level when you finish the level, you don't yeah. just finish the level; you get a chance to like try to throw yourself as high into the air as possible before you clear the screen to get extra points, which is a very Sonic thing. Yeah, um, collecting the way you collect things. Um, there's all kinds of. Uh, well, I guess there's really only one layer of parallax, but it's so in-depth. It just, the scream is filled with color. Yeah. Uh, here's the little things I'm talking about. See, I'm shoot off there. Yeah. Um, so basically, you're you're a star. So you're named Rystar. And it's the most bizarre thing. Uh, it's a cool mechanic, but basically they came out with a star that walks on two legs. Here you go, bonus area. Uh, he walks on two legs, and he has these arms that can stretch out in front of him for a second or two. And so basically, you're spending the game figuring out how to, you know, run and jump, catch different uh, like ledges and things, um, handles on different platforms with your arms to grab onto them, and then you can climb up things. Um, but that's the whole mechanic: is these stretchy arms. So uh, in this example here, there's a boss with a big snake. It's kind of like a tic-tac-toe board, but in between the the sections are these poles. You need to grab them with your arm to throw yourself into the next section. And then you can uh, jump, kind of like Sonic, and hit the snake with your head. Uh, you can also use your arms to grab enemies, pull them towards you, and you kind of like headbutt them, and that damages them. Um, there's these little treasure chests with stars in them that give you health. The stars are your health points. It's all the creativity and fun of Sonic without two things that Eric hates. One, the speed and kind of <laughs> feeling of lack of control. And to the time limit. Oh yeah, I didn't see that. That's right. So That's there you a big go. One. He just he just did he just finished the level by throwing himself really high. Do you see that height bonus? Here you go. Yeah. There you go. You got eight thousand bonus points for height. You but are right. Continue- no time limit. That's a big deal. Yep. So I mean, without without people being able to see it, I can't describe it any better than I have. It's just um, you start out in kind of a jungle thing, just like Sonic. Uh, it moves into these underwater levels, which feel completely different, but they still use mechanics you're already familiar with. So they're not uncomfortably different; they're just entertainingly different. Um, and it kind of becomes more puzzly because you got to destroy certain things to open different gates to the next room. Um, Level three became this fire level. Oh, and there's cool, but boss battles, which are all unique and different and take a different strategies. Uh, here's the fire level, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. They're all, you know, visually different. The music is great. It's that same great music. It, very reminiscent of Sonic with the same kind of instruments and stuff. Yeah. Um, it looks like the same team made it. You're right. And it's a lengthy game because this is a uh, we're watching a, a long play of someone who completed the entire game without losing a life, and it looks like it took them an hour and a half to complete. So a lot of game to play. Yeah. Oh, that looks awesome. Yep, good one. And Under, now, did Rice Star, do you know sure. if it did it have sequels? No. Um, no, no, it did not. No. Okay. Just just Rice Star, huh? just on the Genesis. I believe it came out later. Um, and at this point, I, I believe like we're already into some later Sonic games. Yeah, uh, awesome. I I might give this a spin. And the cool thing is on the the Mister FPGA, 
the Genesis core is one of the very best cores it has. Like it is like universally thought of as like the most perfect core. It plays Genesis games exactly, exactly correctly. And, hmm. and, and they has save states now and everything. So I'm, I might give this a shot. Very cool. The, I will, the one thing I will say about it is that it does take a, a little bit of practice to get the grabbing mechanic yeah. to become comfortable because it's, it's kind of, it's new. It's very unique. Yeah. yeah. But, um, not too long, 10, 15 minutes. I can minutes see it climbing yeah. the walls with it. Yeah. Yeah. Even this guy who's very good had to take a couple swipes at that wall. There you go. Anyways. Very cool. Right star. Nice. I like it. That's my final game. That is your final game. So my final game, I, I, I did put one game in here, but I, I do want to say it's really the whole series. Is it really, though, Eric? <laughs> yeah, I mean, James Pond on the Amiga is my pick, and this this is definitely an anthropomorphized fish. Like, it is a fish that walks around like it is James Bond, which uh, <laughs> is the name of the game is James Pond. Operation um, Starfish. So I played this on my Amiga CD32 and immediately when I tweeted this out, like, Hey, I'm playing this, doing some homework for pixel guide. And people jumped in and were like, why are you playing three? That is sparse and not a very good game. And, and this and that, and I was like, I don't know. I listen, I, I did only get about an hour with this game, but the part I played, I really liked. So I don't know what they're talking about. This game is very colorful. Um, you are this fish and you run around and you can, it, it is definitely a Mario clone. So it's Mario again, and Sonic mashed together. I think. Yeah. Because the up and downhill, but some of the later Mario games had the up and downhill kind of like that too. So, um, you go around, you can collect items like umbrellas and they allow you to float. Um, you can grab explosives and throw them and they explode things. And, um, and you can get these special shoes that do certain things. I mean, it is a game of collecting power ups and collecting things and you go around the level and you try to go through and collect all these like moons that are there. You can see the little moon slivers. Yep, that are that's all over very the place. Mario right there. Yep. And see hitting that, had that box over and over again, like in the Mario games. Mm -hmm. And there are hidden boxes that you have to find to be able to get all of the moons. And you basically go around to different levels and there are bosses in this game when you fight the bosses. And I mean, it is pretty much what the Amiga was trying to compete against Mario and they were getting a lot of flack because there wasn't a lot of Mario style. Uh, what is this? Oh, it's called an advertisement, Eric. Advertisement. I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> um, by the way, this game came out on the Genesis as well. Um, I want to spend more time with this game. Like I said, I only spent about an hour with this. But what I did play, I really liked a lot. So I, I want to go back to this. And I, I was doing actually really well in this game, too. Uh, plays okay. very, very well on my CD32. But there, again, I've read that the Genesis version of this does is plays just as well. So okay. I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 a lot of people gave me some flack on Twitter about it, but I had nothing but fun playing it. All right. Yeah. So I'll be honest. I haven't played a ton. I, I had either I rented it or was borrowed from a friend. I think James Pond 2. Okay. I think it was Robocod, if I remember correctly. Robocod, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I could not get into it. It was so obscure, and 
I honestly, I think the word I was looking for was British. It yes, was so it British. Is, it is very British. You're right. The way that it um, mixes kind of the Japanese platforming gameplay, which is, you know, your Mario and your Sonic that I were, was really expecting and used to. Yeah. But then it kind of had these plot points where it would stop and then be like, here's items to use. And here's all kinds of uh, collect ups that just show up out of nowhere if you trigger them somehow. Like all these kind of obscure things that I wasn't used to. Yeah. So I never gave it a chance. It just came became kind of so convoluted more, and yeah. and puzzly than I was used to to the point where I never liked these games. But I didn't. I've never given them a fair shake. So fair enough. Yep. And I've never tried three. Cool. All right. That's six good games, Eric. Excellent. Nice. And that is an episode of Soul Guiding. Hey, right on cue. <laughs> yeah, I said it, right? We're getting there, Eric. It only took three years, but we're starting to get to the point <laughs> where we finish each other's statements. <laughs> Close enough. That's what Declarations. I was going for-ish. Declarations. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, we hope everyone has a, uh, you know, Merry Christmas or Happy holidays or whatever you want to celebrate i guess but yeah. i'm gonna say merry christmas and um next episode we'll be doing our new year's episode yeah talk about all of our favorites of the year uh tim's favorites gonna join year. us yeah uh, and, game show uh, if i can pull it off with the sound effects i we'll, don't know if i'll be able to technically pull it off and i'm gonna give it a good college try we're gonna we're gonna figure something out yeah and uh, uh we've got Cody's Corner, where I will talk about... We've mentioned it like five times a show, but... <clears throat> and you've, you've heard the first $100 segments I've done, but this will be the first $1,000. <laughs> we haven't ever done that. Up. We had an add a zero because of the system that it's on. Because the Neo Geo. Um, and that'll be a whole lot of fun. Of course, we'll catch up. Uh, Eric and I have a package to open from England. And uh, yes, all kinds indeed. of shenanigans. Should be a good show. Awesome. Eric, thanks for doing yeah. the show with me. It's a good time. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, please do, uh, we, we don't say this that often anymore, but if you can give us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast yeah. uh, catcher you're using, that does help us out more than anything else, as we'd love a larger and larger community to enjoy our shenanigans with. So uh, appreciate you guys. Hope you're enjoying it. Please do leave feedback, interact with us, hop on the Discord. Um, Outside of that, Merry Christmas, and we'll see you on the 30th for our end-of-the-year show. And don't forget, Cody, it's it's dangerous dangerous to to go go alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at sanction. That's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash pixel guiden. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. <laughs>